Welcome to the Everyday Sniper. You got Frank from Sniper's Hood, and we're in the safe house, and we are hopefully setting up a new mic system, so this will sound much better than last time when we had, like, the mics against our throat, and it was gurgling and drying. Luckily, I had the camera running, and there was another video playing that I was able to pull the audio off of that where we didn't sound like a bunch of freaking idiots, but... I'm here with Chris. Hey, what are those things that people put the microphone on their throats? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly what we did. We, like, had the microphone on our throat, and it was like, oh, my God, this is gurgling so bad, and it sounds, like, terrible, and what are you guys doing? It was just dead-on awful. But, hey, we're here. It's a good day. I'm back from shop, and it's, what's today, Wednesday? Wednesday. Wednesday, and I'm not sick. So there you go. I got back from SHOT Show and I didn't get sick. So that's definitely a plus on that end is that we are not sick at SHOT. But how was your week while I was away? It was good. Yeah, yeah. You're all done with your stuff and things like that. But SHOT Show, um, lever guns, man. SHOT Show is nothing but lever guns. Wow. Everywhere, like, oh, they, well, here's the trick. Here's the secret. For precision rifle people, there wasn't a whole lot at SHOT Show. What it was was you had companies that invested in MDT stocks, and that was their offering this year. So we're going to take a barrel action, we're going to stick it in an MDT, and we're going to call it good. And that's what, like, 75% of the companies did. On the other hand, Accuracy International did come out with the ATXC, which is supposed to be a lighter bolt lift on the three lug bolt, six lug technically, but three lug bolt with the AI. So when you look over, a lot of people were complaining with the ATX that it takes a while to break the AI bolts in. You have to run them. That rear lug is really where you wanna break it in the most. There's a lug in the back, and sort of the handle on the bolt really cl close to the bolt body rides that area, right? It runs it. Well, if that's sharp and harsh and you don't run it hard, it's very difficult in a competition setting, unsecured rifle on a bag to run the bolt with an Accuracy International. So they came out with a comp series where they did a lot of work to lighten the bolt lift on their bolt. So there you go. That's going on. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think they've done a lot of work. I think, right, the accuracy and precision that the ATX offers is awesome, but people shy away from it as splits between shots increase and that heavy bolt could throw you off. Uh, I think that could make a big difference because the performance of the ATX is fantastic. Yeah, right? I mean... The other option, though, is the Remington 700 chassis of the ATX and then you put somebody else's barreled action in it. Yeah, like a terminus. Like I like for me, if I was gonna do something where I had to go light and fast, I'm gonna do a terminus, right? 60 degree, three lug. That thing goes so fast, it's like flicky flicky. And you know what else out there too that works with this? That's no money. The Solus Arrow. I spent a lot of time at Arrow Precision, the guys with the Solus. They're offering that by itself, standalone. It's not expensive. What is like a soulless barrel action? It's like $1,200 or something. It's really inexpensive. It might be $1,800. I don't, don't ask me retail numbers. I don't know retail numbers. But um, yeah, Arrow, a soulless in an ATX chassis. Now you got a nice little comp gun if you really didn't want to go big dollar and spend all that stuff, but still have the benefits of an ATX chassis. So there's definitely that going on. But yeah, gun-wise, it was like lever gun, lever gun, lever gun. Everything skeletonized. There was Henry, big lever gun people, 556 magazine fed, lever gun. Wow. Yes. That would be fun. 556 magazine fed, lever gun. Coyote and I think it's 308 too. They might have another cow. That sounds really fun. Yeah, yeah, that's totally super cool. You know, I think like if if uh, if since we brought up Arrow, man, they just kind of blew themselves out of the water by making the Solus so damn good. Because last yeah. year, you know what? Like you say, oh yeah, that makes sense. You could put it in an ATX chassis. The problem is when we, when we shot it last year, it was so good out of the box. I'm not sure I would want to. I'm not sure I would want to change it. Well, but right? that, that, the thing is, is they sell it either as a separate action. They sell it as a barreled action, 
or they sell it as a complete rifle. So you have all these options of buying a soulless system because they offer it in a variety of different ways. It's like done up in any which way you can, you know? And so that's why you can get just the action, figure out what barrel you want, or they're barreled action, because their barrels are very good. Mm -hmm. And we had no bad luck with it. I mean, it shot great for us. And then drop that in the chassis of your choice versus, say, their chassis. Mm -hmm. I mean, that becomes the difference, but... You saw their long action, though, because they, they, that's they what they did, right? long action now, too. There's a long action Solus that's there. There's definitely a long action Solus. So long action people and that, you got the Solus going on. I mean, everything's there. Everything's ready to go. It's... it's. <laughs> Whoa, I just blew that one way out of the water. <laughs> that's going to be loud. But um, yeah, it was super. I got this new board that we're playing with, and I haven't set up all of the um controls yet. But definitely, we're looking to do. I just wonder why my volume didn't go up quite. Should be a little bit louder in there. I wonder what didn't. A little bit louder. A little bit louder. Give me a little louder. And and so, yeah, it was crazy that um, where Arrow was going with that Arrow booth was mob. I tell you what. Speaking of Ma, let's just like do shot show gossipy kind of weirdness. I mean, there was a crazy fight at the uh, round bar and dudes are getting in trouble and they're like totally industry guys. But, um, oh, where was I going with it now? Uh, mobs. Oh, mobs. Geisley. Geisley replaced LaRue. So it used to be everybody was like, go to LaRue, go to LaRue. LaRue is everything. LaRue is now in like the farthest corner. No one's near him. He has like a tent, not even anything out. So you don't even see anybody who's around LaRue because it's so crazy. But um, yeah, definitely there's some there's some craziness to change. But when you go by Geisley, you can't get anywhere near Geisley. It's packed. The whole aisle is destroyed because there was hundreds of people waiting to get tossed the trinket or something that was going on with Geisley. It was nuts. That that kind of shit happens now, but um, every year. And that's, I, yeah. So I wasn't there, but there was a couple things. Like we've been shooting air guns, and we've been into twenty twos and air rifles, and it seems like as air, I mean, air rifles have been around for a long time, but but technology is now kind of bringing them closer and closer to centerfire stuff. Did you see anything in the air rifle world that that seemed like a good development? Yeah, everybody in the air rifle world was. You know, moving forward, getting new stuff, new things, chassis like that. But the air rifle I saw that I really, really liked was the Scout air rifle, S-K-O-U-T. Now, they have an Epic series, and that one's more of like a big bench rest, and it's been redesigned, and it looks fantastic. They're sort of bull puppy. They moved everything around, but then there's going to be an Evo series coming out, which is what they consider... They're a lighter PRS type system. And the Evo was like, and they're talking, they're just shy of 700 yard accuracy out of this thing. Their barrel system's a little different, makes it easier to change it. It's got like a single thread, you know, nut you're going to knock off. Barrel comes out, carbon fiber sleeve, put it all in as one unit. And like I said, the bench rest versions of it were insane. I mean, really well done with like four pounds stainless steel weights and all kinds of craziness in the Arca systems. They have these kind of like cage Arca systems that prevent the uh, tanks or anything from interfering and give you solid mounting for like bench rest and tripod because the air rifles do go bench rest. They go PRSE, they go carnivaly, they go hunting. So they're doing everything with the air rifles, but it's an air rifle. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So the stuff that I saw on the air rifle side, um, ran into Boyd Linder a lot. We uh, shot with Boyd, met Boyd a bunch, and really great guy. Uh, saw him a bunch of times. He said FX had some great stuff. Uh, the ones with the MPA chassis that like Aaron hit shot last year. That's um I confuse like FX Panther and then there's like another one that's super close I think. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't either. I don't know the name differences right off the bat yet. I'm just learning that world. But I really, really liked where the air rifle people are going. 
And then I had to wait a minute. This was kind of important to me. So I had to wait a minute because one of their sponsored shooters was the guy giving you the rundown on the Evo. And so there were some dealers and different um, Jersey shooters that are air rifle people. And they're all over the place. And so there was a group of us and just listening to the talk of the air rifle series. To me, it was like where we needed to be. <laughs> Chris is breaking the table. Um, where we needed to be going with sort of like the, the precision rifle stuff. But just the way they fractured. I, I, I heard something the other day. People were like, oh, it's, uh, it's not fractured anymore. It's like bullshit, dude. Everybody wants West Coast different than East Coast. There still isn't a bridge between the East and West, even though like the PRS got together with WICO. You know, they, 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 they partnered up with Pete Nick Kniffin over there and the WICO people just above us here in Wyoming, Colorado. And so now it's like, oh, there's no divide. And it's like, the air rifle people have no divide. We have a divide, you know? And, and so they just don't understand what is going on um, in the center fire world because it's still fractured and it's not going the way I think it should go. But uh, they're making improvements according to them. And good on it, but I think the match that the Utah Airgun guys host in Utah in the summer sounds fantastic. It's like a giant festival. You've got a day of PRS, a day of bench rest, a day of like F class, big bore, and then speed shooting, and everybody shoots everything, and and people, different people win, and and but but right. it sounds really really fun. Like and, just... and, and that's what the centerfire rifle people don't understand. You go to these events, it's a giant carnival, multiple disciplines, everybody in the same place. They all know each other. And we all know each other too in a lot of ways, but there is no crisscrossing. Like, you're, you know, an NRL hunter is not going to play with a PRS group in the same event. You know what I mean? Because they're two different series, so nobody wants to get together where, like, the air rifles... The, the, the bench rest, the PRS, and all that are all in the same thing. Because you can do all of it from one situation. You know, one event can manage multiple disciplines. And because of the air rifles, you don't need the range, the room, and the egos aren't coming into play. Yeah, it's a little bit like a mindset of, uh, I mean, I, I, I can understand, I want to get really good at this subset thing. And so you get PRS or I want to be good at this subset thing and you get an NRL hunter. But then there's the other idea of like, think about golf. You got driving, mm -hmm. then you got mid game, then you got short game. And if you do them all, you could work on each of those components. And it seems like the air rifle competitions kind of say, look, this, the whole game has all these components, right? Let's kind of continue to practice all of them at these events. And some people are better at short game. Some people are better at long game, but the people that are the best golfers can do it all. Mm -hmm. And, and so specializing in driving, um, yeah, you know, ends up excluding a lot of people who maybe they want to go putt. Well, and that's the thing is the exclusion is the conversation. Again, they play with the, the, the fake tagline of growing the sport in a way you don't grow the sport when you exclude everybody under the $5,000 rifles, you know, because they set a minimum. They set a minimum scope. They set a minimum production rifle, which I did order a GA Precision production rifle. I was walking by, and I'm like, what's the story with these production rifles? How do you get in on them? Because I see stuff online with, like, George's production rifle, and I don't get it because, like, it's almost like a lottery thing. So I walked up to him, and I'm like, hey, man, how does your production rifle thing work? He's like, well, you get in right now because I'm doing 35 barrels, and there's going to be... I'm like, well... Order me one. So yeah, right order one and we'll produce it. Yeah. So right there at the table, I ordered a 6GT gap production rifle. And and so that's kind of one of those things that it, it's there is a fracturing within the center fire world and the different oh yeah, we gotta get to them. Um forgot about those guys. That's huge. But um and, and so ordering that production rifle, but yeah, we popped in shot show. Went down and saw a mile high across from mile high in the same spot. Like when you're standing in mile high, you look at Thunder Beast and then you look at Zico. Mm. So you got Thunder Beast and Zico right in front of you. Thunder Beast has, uh, as we talked about in the previous podcast, Thunder Beast has the new brake suppressors. Huge pickup at the um, 
uh, shot show. People were everywhere, all over the place. Um, talking the 50 cal up, the 50 cal was was a highlight with that suppressor on it at shot show. You see, everybody was all over it. And then for those who are paying super crazy attention, there was some stuff put out by Zico during the week that shows the direction they're going. I won't give you a mag range, but everybody realized there was no objective bell on it. So I, that should give you a hint as to where they're going. But there was a picture that's running around Facebook, I believe, showing a lineup of Zico's. And one of these things is not like the other. One of these things is not like the rest. So you have to figure that one out. Um, but Thunder Beast, it, it was just next level. And, and I think both Chris and I have braked Thunder Beast coming. Yeah, yeah. I put in an order for two of them the other day because, you know, I mean, you got to wait for the serial number and then you got to mm -hmm. wait for the ATF. So yeah. we're talking about like a 2025 project, <laughs> but but I still did order two of them. And And what I think is great is they took the line of suppressors they have and you can get them regular or you can get them in the rr line the recoil reduced line yeah. and it's like it's kind of a no-brainer get them you get a brake suppressor mm -hmm. and they do so much work to provide you the numbers and not only the decibel but also the recoil reduction and then if you go to their website, there's charts on it. And the charts are crazy. They had big giant poster charts all over there, and you can grab one and take it and stuff. So they do show you the charts. I asked them about like that Pew Science guy and the one who does suppressors now with the proprietary numbers. And you know, they're just doing their own numbers straight out. They got their high-end systems. You can trust Thunderbeast numbers. They've set the the standard with the testing companies. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't. Yeah, that that's the kind of stuff where, man, I wouldn't go anywhere near because Zach and Ray have so much integrity and they care about their products. They care about science. They care about engineering that they're going to do their very best to test it yeah. in a way that is harder on them so that they don't ever have to answer questions about, oh, you fudge the numbers. Like, shit, like they'll even be hard on themselves in order to say, like, there's no way in hell you're going to prove that these numbers. Yeah, it's not you know, marketing. Everybody yeah. wants to say it's marketing. It's just like a BC. Everybody wants to say it's marketing. Well, it's you marketing. make a product that's so good mm -hmm. that it speaks for itself. Like that. That's kind of their approach, and 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 I I just love those guys because they're you know they're local, so we've got we've had a lot of time to interact with them. But but I would never I would never question anything they do. No, it no. looks badass. And um, yeah. And, so um, oh, I did but, spend some time. I went over to Barrett, and I actually met with Ryan Kleppner there. That was something that you and I were talking about, trying to link up with Ryan and do something with Ryan Kleppner. So I was able to spend a, a, an hour or two with him at Barrett. It, uh, they had a beer garden going on. And, and then from there, I went right next door to Night Force. I feel like a scorned woman or something like that. He won't return my text. Oh, man. Anyway. Um, okay, beer garden. Yeah, yeah, beer garden. And then um, next door was Night Force. So Night Force has that new sort of saddle scope spotter. It's more than a saddle scope. It's got more adjustment than that. Then it's got the cage system to mount things on it. Sniper's Hide is going to go live when that shows up next week. Uh, we're just getting the live systems put up. We're getting our safe house audio and everything fixed and now it's like we, we're doing the busy work of, of adjusting levels and doing the different things. We had that problem that one time where it was, I hated it. But um, yeah, we got that sorted out. And now I got a board over here so we can make these things sound much better. But Night Force's spotter, for like guys like me or on the road or want something that don't want to go the binocular route or, or you know, aren't going to use binoculars because you're trying to not just say they touched it. Where did they hit it? This little system is really nice. And to me, it's going to probably replace my Bushnell Elites in the spotting world. Um, their eye box on the Bushnells is a little weird for my glasses, where the Night Force was much more forgiving. It's got a good reticle in that and still goes down low power. So I'm going to be looking forward to previewing the Night Force with you guys in the Sniper's Hide Live through the Sniper's Hide app, which is free. So go get the app, go hit in the lives, and we'll soon be showing you neat shit. Uh, the next thing, I want you talk about the, 
Oh, yeah. One thing that I, w- I love Daniel Defense, and, and you know, I've always shot their carbines, and I noticed this year they released a pistol, and I was really bummed out that I didn't get, get my hands on the pistol, but I'm going to buy one just because I think it looks so freaking amazing, but you actually got your hands on one. Mm-hmm. And- What's your body? So Chris sends me over to another Chris. So Chris is like, hey, go see Chris. And there's always another Chris somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so I go into that. I find Chris. And he gives me the load down. They picked up the Hudson line, right? The Hudson looked like the space gun and had the big old thing going on years ago. And that wasn't Hudson out of like Silencer Co. or something. I, don't, I remember seeing it like at Silencer Co.'s booth. Maybe it was. I don't remember. But it was the Hudson. But now this is a slim down. Let me tell you what. As small as I am and the way I am, that pistol fit me like a glove. It felt so good. I was like, damn, man, now I'm going to have to go buy it. And I'm not even a pistol guy. I don't chase pistols at all. But this pistol fit me really, really well. So definitely going to be exploring the Daniel Defense pistol. That was another booth you're not getting near. It was like the last day that I finally was able to track down Chris's contact, Chris, in order to get like a complete lowdown on it because it was just... This year, SHOT Show, to me, was better than last year. It seemed like a different mindset in a way that, you know, there was a, it, was, it was a lighter, but again, it was incremental updates for us other than thermal, electro-optical. Those things are going through the roof. So um, definitely, um, if you're into thermals, electro-optics, I'm going to be looking at the Athlon. Athlon is sending me their thermal setup. I like their thermal setup a lot. Their menu is what I like a lot. The zeroing. Remember we had a little bit of issue zeroing that thermal mm-hmm. when we were playing with it? Their zeroing is so much easier. Spells it right out. The menus are different. What yard zero do you want? And then there's an X and Y. You pick the yard line you want. Then there's a dialogue that gives you your X and Y adjustment. You fix your X and Y, you get your zero, everything's good. So the Athlon stuff, um, menu and feature-wise, looked really good to me, and it looked a lot easier than some of the menus. And, and, and that's becoming the difference in my mind. When I go talk to these companies, it's the companies that are Americanizing the menu. When you look at the Asian menus, they're pictographs, right? They're, they're pictures. You're, you're picking out what does that picture mean and what does that do? Well, in the Americanized ones, they're plain language and they'll tell you what this does. There might be a pictograph to get you in the menu, but as soon as you're there, everything talks in plain language. So it's walking you through it instead of going, what is this one? What is that one? This one, that one, this one, that one. And I found... Companies that Americanized the menus were much better, and you're seeing the prices come down. So like the Pulsar stuff, those are going up into the six and, and plus $6,000 range. These ones are starting to come in at that like thirty-five to 4045 with the same quality. You know what I mean? So your chipsets and all those things you're looking at are really similar to those six and seven thousand, eight thousand dollar units, but now you're seeing them at thirty five hundred to about, you know, forty five hundred in cost. So that's a big plus as you're seeing a lot of it because it's getting flooded. You're seeing a lot of it come out. Everybody's competing. I'm seeing I'm seeing one side of the company compete with the other side of the company because one side's like Chinese and the other side's Americanized and they're the same product under a different and they have competing booths. It's like They're not even talking to each other, but selling the same thing. So you'll see a lot of that because on the Chinese side, they're trying to OEM it to you. So just like rifle scopes, they now want to OEM the electrical optical stuff for people. And then you become your branded dealer. So we're seeing a lot of that. Yeah, everybody's calling. Everybody's trying to get a hold of me at the same time. Nobody realizes. Um, So. That's where we're at with that. And, and, um, oh, I saw a picture of some two vets tripods with the reverse leg gasket, uh, the reverse leg things, which, which I guess, you know, that, at least that's how I call it. I don't know how you actually say it, but 
you know, when you, when you, yeah, when you open up the legs of a tripod, you know, like if you're standing, you have to bend down to get it to change the height of the thing. But, but, um, now you can loosen it right up at the top of the tripod so you can extend it without reaching down to the end of it, which is actually functionally saves you a lot of time. Much and better. if you're on the rifle, you can make adjustments from the rifle for the most part. So I'm excited to see those and, and actually get my hands on some of those because the, the two vest tripods are pretty yeah, much there exclusive was a, I what we're using. This. There, was, there was a whole area like mixed in with the precision rifle stuff that was the Leofoto booth. And I got to meet those guys. There was a hell of a lot more. And I know there's the, the debate with the Leofotos and the things, and but everybody's right. A lot of the companies that aren't really right stuff are using variations of the Leofotos. So you're seeing them everywhere. And what you're not seeing is the accessories that are there. There was a lot of really useful accessories. There was a lot of really nicer table trap, you know, like um, the Garmin. You know how the Garmin came with that little folding plastic tripod, almost like the Manfrotto little folding plastic tripod that we got, um, you know, that you see everywhere. It's got the ball mm -hmm. Manfrotto's. Leofoto has metal ones that actually are the same size but unfold even bigger in their metal. <laughs> and they're super cool. And I was like, man, there was a lot of precision rifle accessories from Leofoto that you don't see. And seeing them out in context, I was, I was like, man, I get it. At the same time, this does save people money. This is an option. And then like, like two vets for sure exploits that system. And I don't see anything wrong with it. It's branded for them and they're doing it. But they make a lot of nice stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean... It's easy to overlook. You get all these things that you want to put on your rifle, you know, like like uh, Vortex came out the rangefinder. It's cheaper. Everybody's getting it. Garmin came out with the chronograph. But how do you attach those things to your rifle? And it's all these little widgets and trinkets and things that you kind of overlook. And if a company doesn't directly market it, nobody's going to go to them. Right. I think Area Four One Nine does a good job being very calculated about the things that they're making. But if Leo Photo could get that stuff out more accessible. And they are. I mean, it's it was everywhere. And it's just like, you know, Chris and I are setting up this room and we're plugging in the board and we're doing this and doing that. And we're missing little mini accessories. It's like, oh, I need this wire. Mm -hmm. I need this cable. And it's all those little annoyances that these guys seem to solve. And the problem is, is for us is we just don't have one place to find what's there when you see them out on the table you're like man i needed that man i needed that i didn't know you guys made that and it's like i needed those mm -hmm. and so that's kind of where i feel we are with a little bit of that stuff and and honestly we're it's a big world now we got to embrace some of it i'm still the you know the the, the really right stuff fan and, and, and for me personally i'm gonna default there but that's not everybody's means and people want to get into this game for a little less money at times. And that is the option we're using today. So it makes sense to, to kind of exploit the things that they have that we could use. Mm -hmm. So that's how I feel about that. Um, trying to think if there was anybody else that we saw. Nah, that was kind of like, you know, other than seeing people in, in following up and then the little like foreign dramas that were going on and who got in a fight and who punched who and, that kind of weirdness. Shot show, like I said, wasn't bad. It was pretty good for everybody. And um, really, really enjoyed the week. Just got to get caught up now. I got to figure out gravity ballistics. People still couldn't believe that works. They're <laughs> yeah, like, amazing. that works? And it's like, yeah, you know. And, and so I'm, I'm doing a lot to work with companies. I won't mention who right. Oh, Seekins Slam came out. That was the other good one. Seekins with their Slam hunting rifle that I saw last year was fantastic. And the slam was huge at the show because of when the final product was just done right in like this six pound hunting rifle that's tiny and folds and just it's skeletonized. It's really the direction hunting should be going. And I think Glenn, Glenn, I said to Glenn, man, he's just so freaking smart. 
it's like he's like I got a book on the side of my dresser when I sleep and I dream stuff and I write it down but um stuff like that but I, I'm thinking I'm going to be able to put gravity ballistics in with a rifle I'm talking to companies about getting it with ammunition because it's too simple and it's 2024 stuff it's not inches of drop from you know 1968 it's modern and I'm trying to get that replacement from, um, you know, uh, inches of drop on the back of an ammo. And then lastly, I did see MDT and all them. MDT, again, their, their target system looked really good. They're going to be able to daisy chain targets. Much better system. Tell you what target was hit. So you can have a thing at you, the relay at you, and have multiple targets. Target one hit. Target two hit. Target three hit. And the speaker tells you. You hit two. You hit three. You hit Man. Really cool shit. MDT's always moving forward. So big shout out to the guys at MDT. Saw Keith Baker over there. Saw Martin over there. Saw those guys. Uh, Kyle. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just MDT's MDT. Right, right, right. They're like turning into the apple of yeah, the they shooting are the, world. The apple of the shooting world. There you go. I just gave it to you. MDT, you guys are the apple of the shooting world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Crushing life. So, they even, now they have the, the, you know, you mentioned everybody's putting stuff in MDT. The air guns are going in an MDT. And air guns now, are right? in MDT. So, Every yeah. CZ's in an MDT. This one's in an MDT. Right, because they work. Though. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. So um, their shooting team is just annihilating the world. So. Little, what did we look at the sheet? What did Keith Baker shoot? Like thirty-eight matches last year. Crushing life, yeah. Yeah, Him I mean, and he Francis shot like and Chad. And I mean, how do you compete? John and... How do you compete with a guy who shot thirty-eight matches in a year? Boyd told Laura he shot something like 50. So you got guys out there shooting 50 matches a year, one every week. Different styles. Of Boyd. Boyd's awesome because he does everything. Right, right. So, all right, let's go into, um, we're going to change direction here a second. We haven't hit another button. I hit a button. <laughs> They're not set up, but I hit it. Anyway, let's go into another direction here. Um, Talk precision rifle training and stuff. Uh, the training schedule for Chris and myself is up on Sniper's Hide. We're bringing in the online training to Hide TV. If one of you guys have the app in your hand, go hit the Hide TV and look at the lessons that are coming up. Look at the videos that are coming up. The Hide TV is going to have a lesson program. It's going to have a video program. It has the live program. And so with that, Chris has been doing a metric ton of articles every week. If you go on the front page, you will find his articles. But we are going to be tying those articles into videos and lessons. So we kind of did one, and we got some skills we want to talk about with the last uh, article that he just put up. So why don't you kind of you need your sheet? At all? No, no, no. I think I think it's good. Yeah, this is gonna. It, the, so just to kind of piggyback off what what Frank said, the um. The Sniper's Hide site is freaking amazing now because they've added this Hide TV section. When you go to Hide TV, it takes you to a portion of the site that within it has live broadcasts and schools. So there's going to be schools and training and you could do individual classes on skills or bigger classes. And there's going to be other outfits that offer all those. So once you get into those, you could learn whatever it is that you signed up for, which is freaking awesome because it's all in-house. The articles are, are kind of general overviews about topics, but we could take those articles and then write a more detailed one. You know, how do you train it? How do you identify it? And then we can expand those details into classes if people want to get into that fine-tuned training stuff. So, so it, it's, it's really a cool opportunity. And there's going to be stuff on essentially everything that people ask. But... Recently, we broke down general skills for field shooting, for hunting, for PRS, for also, uh, you know, air rifles, for 22 into major categories of skill sets. Like, what, what are you going to, how are you going to improve? And the way I think about things is you break those into sub, subcategories and then you test and train those and you break those into subcategories. And like Frank mentioned with the, with the gravity ballistics, people... They won't, sometimes it seems like people want things to sound more complicated or, or, or they don't want to believe like, wait a minute, if, if I shoot a thousand yards and I hit waterline with 7.6 mils, 
like, but but I, I should refer to my calculator. Yeah. It's like, no, even the bullet just hit waterline at 7.6 mils. And then if the next day you go out and you shoot 1,000 yards and it hits 7.6 mils, like, well, but, but, but my calculator, and, and it's like, well, I think putting some things before the other things, we get used to that. And we forget that that, that that bullet is doing whatever the heck it's going to do, but it keeps hitting 1,000 at 7.6 mils. And that's what gravity ballistics is doing. It's basically taking those 100-yard increments, taking your waterline data and saying, look, here's how your bullet is flying through the air. It's, it doesn't need to be modeled. It's 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 based off of factual data, not not kind of interpreting other variable data points, right? So with that, people ask a lot about wind and, and there are kind of an infinite way of explaining and, and calculating and dealing with wind. And we've talked about the quick wind and people have reached out for some of the info about Riflecraft quick wind. And I usually back up and tell people, hey, like we could talk about this, but as your understanding grows, it usually grows in a particular direction and sometimes it doesn't grow in the same direction, just like, well, I, I chronograph my load, I put in the BC, I put in all this data points, and then I put the dope that it told me versus just shoot the target and then put the data in. With wind, I like to start from you know the very basics, right? If, if there's no wind and you shoot a target and it's center, that makes sense. But as soon as you add wind, I think the thing that you need to know is the wind speed. Right. And if you know the wind speed, you can start to make some general adjustments. Now, we're talking about gross general adjustments, but if it's coming from the right, you're probably going to need to hold to the right a little bit, into the wind a little bit. But knowing the actual speed is very important, especially as you try to expect a higher hit percentage. So I think if you've got a way to get a velocity, that's going to be kind of the paramount piece of data. And then once you've got a way to do that, that that's really good, uh, you kind of need to know the direction that it's coming from. And the reason you need to know the direction is that as it starts coming in at an angle, that value from the full value is going to reduce. And and it doesn't have to be to the one degree. It, it could be in chunks at first. And those chunks a lot of times are referred to in 30-minute intervals or however you're going to do it. But I think that the direction is very important. One trick that I talk about, and I think I've mentioned on the straight dope, and it, and it could just be that I have a big nose, but if I'm facing a target and the wind is coming from the right or the or the left, and I can tell whether that wind is coming to the right of the bridge of my nose. So if I'm looking right, if my left eye sees the bridge of my nose, if my left eye can't actually look into the wind, that's basically past two o'clock, which means whatever the wind is, you're going to be within 90% of that full value. So if I'm looking at a target and it's coming from the right, I usually don't look at the angle, assuming that it's past the bridge of my nose because it's 90% of whatever the wind speed. Now, obviously, if it's 100, you'll be 10 miles an hour off if it's, you know, between 100% and 90, but the wind's not usually 100. And, um, because of that, that 10% is probably pretty negligible. Um, and then if it's in front of my nose, I pay a little bit more attention. But then I also kind of know that, that that's going to be under 90%. And more, more importantly, you know, I could start breaking that into chunks. So if you know speed and direction, your hit probability is going to go up. More often than not, though, people start the conversation with what's the vegetation doing? Right. Always. Well, what are the leaves do? What's it? Yeah. What are the leaves? What are the grass doing? Okay. What? What's? Oh, the the terrain is here. Yeah. But but you know it's like oh I looked at the vegetation and because of that I'm gonna hold seven tenths and they didn't mention speed or direction. I think yeah that that stuff could really help. But I think that we're fine as as you stack things up. I think that logically you want to take care of speed and direction first, and then like an OODA loop you loop back. So then. If you get your angle changes in the terrain, your next shot, or if you wait 10 minutes, you loop back to speed and direction again, because those are always the foundation. Right. One thing I want to say with speed where Chris is going is I look at what is the average number 
Then I'm going to look at where the gust is. And then I'm going to look at where the lull is and where it drops off. I mean, it most, and I've heard this a good zillion times. It doesn't go to zero. Like you got a 10 mile an hour wind and the gusts are like four mile an hour gusts. And when it drops off, it might go from 10 to six or 10 to four even. But then they think it's zero because we've become acclimatized to it. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, it's zero now, but it's not. It's you have to know those numbers. So I don't want to just say it's a 10 mile an hour coming from, you know, two o'clock. I want to know what the fluctuation is across one minute. Like Mm -hmm. read it for a minute and then look at the number and find your average, but then find the value of the gusts as well. For sure. And the direction does that too, especially in these unobstructed places like Fort Morgan, you you know, so the wind might be going six to 10, six to 10, six to 10. But also if you pay attention to that angle, 10 might be five or 10 degrees different than the six. And so now you've got six at a particular angle and 10 at another angle, and it's going back and forth. If you take those pieces of data into account, now when you adjust for the angle that six is and the angle that 10 is and the fact that it's going back and forth, it might, it might bring your wind hold together or it might make it even farther apart. But that's another layer because first you need to know that there is a speed in the first place and that mm-hmm. it's coming from that way. Um, does that way matter? Like if it's coming perfectly from nine o'clock between six and 10, you know, that's four miles an hour difference. So you're, you're probably talking about a four tenth variation in wind. Yeah. I might, you know, that four tenths width of a target, you know, is a little over an MOA. You, you know, you may or may not be able to, to hit a target if that was your whole bracket, but if you can make further adjustments, but you kind of need to start with that gross speed, gross direction. And then are there variations? And, 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 and at first you play with speed and direction, speed and direction, not, Oh, I saw that, you know, the grass is moving and, 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 uh, you know, I think that is important at some point, but it's not the first thing. I think if you do that, you've got pretty good hit percentages and, you know, for, for, for people that are trying to get into things, like if you get your speed and direction down, you're going to have a pretty good wind call yep. and get a lot of hits because, you know, if you think about it, all of that wind call stuff, it pretty much only applies to your first shot because as soon as you shoot, you know the correction. Mm-hmm. So now you have information that has more accurate wind data. Um, but then you go into different angle changes in terrain and wind gradients, vegetation, well, that's like time in, of flight. Angles in, or wind gradient terrain like that, like, Fort Morgan's nice because it's big and wide and all that. We have that sort of soft bowl around us. But like Alaska, we're cut. And it would almost be the same like Tennessee for people too, right? Because you're going to be cut into the woods, thick woods in Alaska, heavy woods in Alaska. So you're cut into this thick woods. On top of that, this is a square range in a lot of ways. So what do those ranges tend to do? They build berms up really high to protect the bullets that are in those lanes. Well, in Alaska, a lot of times your round does not go high enough over the berm to have any effect by the wind. So you have the trees in the woods are blocking the wind. You have the berm blocking the wind. And then you have a round that's not going over like 12 feet to 1,000 yards. And the berm is 20 feet. So it never raises above the berm that's in this captured lane. And so that creates this effect. And the funny thing is the first 100 yards, it's in the woods, there's a berm. Then there's a 100 yard of space between two and three that's wide open because there's a swamp there. All the wind comes in through the swamp, left or right. It can only come in front or back really in the lane naturally, other than this area where the swamp is, it comes in left and right. So that's what's going to give you that push from the left towards the right component. But a lot of people don't even look that far. So, is, you know, we'll be, we'll be at 100 yards. We'll be at the firing line. We'll be doping out to distance, and they only need like 0. 0.3, 0. 0.4 at 1,000 yards of wind. And they'll say, well, isn't that spin drift or something? And it's like, no. Then you have to walk them out and show them where the wind is. 
and they never saw that opening in the terrain, that is a straight path for the wind to hit your bullet. So like Chris is saying, you have to then next level. After you you get a great handle on speed and direction, now you start looking at angles and gradients and, and terrain. But, right? but you know, I, I, I do think that that goes back to the speed and direction thing. It's just that you can't pull out your Kestrel and have it work. But another thing that you can do that, that has come up before is, is um, and, and some people frown on it, some people love it. But if, if you're in a situation like that, you know, what could you do? You could look at Mirage. You could, you know, go from past experience, or you could pull out something like the Windy app and say, oh, the, there is wind above us or mm -hmm. somewhere in general, and it's going left to right. So when it comes through that channel, it's going to be left to right. What is the likely speed of that wind coming through there? And then use that information, even though you can't feel it, you have access to it. And if there's a big channel and the Windy app says it's 12 miles an hour left to right, it's probably pretty close to 12 miles an yeah, hour. Windy's right. I mean, or it's I not zero at least. Exactly. So you know, it's oh. being filtered by the, by the woods. Mm -hmm. So it may be starting out as 12 by the time it reaches us and there's actually something there. It's only six because the woods and all the things are bleeding off so much of the wind because it's so hard for it to get at our level down to us. But you would know yes. you're going to have to hold some there wind. There is in. wind. But yeah. then again, same, same situation. I could be in that spot and I can walk up a hill and then open up into like a, you know, a pass in Alaska. Now it's wide open. Totally. So now you need to know that. And that's where those windy apps But if, if the channel is at 500 yards and you're shooting to 1,000, that wind's only playing an effect on the last 500 yards. So you're not going to hold you know, six miles an hour for a thousand yard shot, you're going to figure out what the deflection would be mm -hmm. for the last 500, assuming that it went straight at first. So, but, but those, you know, until you get the speed and direction concept and you understand how it plays an effect on your, on your round, it, it, the other stuff is kind of a waste of time because you, it'll get lost in the signal or, or the noise. And so constantly looping back to what, what's, what's primary, right? Speed and direction. And, or maybe it's direction and speed. Um, and, um, and then you start layering on angle changes, terrain, gradients, vegetation, time of flight, you know, other, other characteristics. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. And, 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 and that's, that's the strategy, right? What is your wind strategy? What are you doing? Where did you pick up your wind strategy? Right. In the developing wind class, right? The articles are general. They're going to get a little more specific like this talk. But the wind class itself is going to break each of those down. And if you can meet this standard, then you move on. But if, if you just move on without meeting that standard, it won't stack the way that you think it's going to stack, right? You have to take care of those fundamental things first. Um, and I, I think that that's really important. And that's something that the, the, high, the high online courses can really extract that and say, here's a progression for you to work on over time. You could do this at your house. You could do this. A lot of it you could do on paper and then you verify and validate with rounds and build kind of a, a realistic and experiential knowledge base that then you refer back to that as something that's real rather than something told you to do that. Right. Just like gravity ballistics. I shoot 7.6 mils at a thousand. I know that that works. Yeah. And so I have confidence and I won't doubt that. And, and I don't need something to tell me that. And then if I put that info into a calculator, I know it has good information and that calculator can travel with me in the event that I can't do it, but I want to get real tangible information and build on that from my own experience. Not, I heard I should do this. Okay. But did it work or not? Yeah. Well, and here's the thing with gravity ballistics, we're measuring to a waterline. We're measuring to center. We want you plus or minus that waterline, right? With the wind that we're talking about and what we're looking at, the way our targets are set up and where everything's going, we're measuring left and right to center of a wind call. Same thing. We're not just saying hit the plate. We're saying hit that part of the plate. Right. You know, we're, we have a defined aim, excuse me, defined aiming point. And we want you on that defined aiming point. And so that's what's really going on with what we're doing. Mm -hmm. So bringing you a defined aiming point with elevation, which brought us about to the gravity ballistics stuff. Now we're bringing you to a defined aiming point for windage. And that's going to lead into the craft quick wind. Mm 
mm-hmm. and all the other classes. And in person, we're doing the same thing. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of give you an idea of, oh, you know, what where's your plus minus wind reading skill? And we can really say like, okay, well, you know, you're usually within three miles an hour of it, or you're mm-hmm. usually within two miles an hour of it. And that should give you the confidence. Right? Think about a guy with a, with, a, with a five mile an hour gun, maybe six, just shy of six. He's a five and a half, really. And he's a three mile an hour wind reader. Mm-hmm. You know, how does that come into play with people? You're, 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 you got a five mile an hour gun and you're a three mile an hour wind reader. So there's like a whole lot of missing stuff that's two miles an hour playing around there that you're not 100% sure of. Exactly. And then you throw in the reticle that they've got and their ability to see what that means on the reticle when they superimpose it on the target. They should get all the answers that they need to take or not take the shot. So that that's so important, but it layers and it stacks. And I think if somebody just gives you a fancy trick like, you know, the Aspen's quake at mm-hmm. two miles an hour. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Man, well, you know, that sounds more like a CIA code, you know, like, <laughs> than, uh, you know, knock, knock, knock. <laughs> John has a long mustache. The chair's against the wall. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but that, that's how that stuff's going to work. And and so, yeah, you look at the articles, and then you look at the classes, and then you can kind of expect for the classes that it's going to break things down in a logical way. Yeah, yeah, the content's flowing, so make sure you guys stop by, take a look what we're putting out. See if it helps you. Make a comment on it. Reach out to Chris or myself. Uh, the site's there. The forum's there. It's meant to have a discussion with. So if something strikes you strange or strikes you that you want to expand on, let us know. We're, that's what we're there for, and that's what we're looking to do. So definitely come on by and see what we got going on. The updates are done. We are shifting away from a PayPal model. If you do hide TV, there is another payment model that's not PayPal for people. That's built into the high TV that is completely self-contained that way. So we are quietly using another uh, format. And I'm not going to say too much because I don't want people attacking it. But you can use your regular credit card with our thing and it is not PayPal. Uh, So that is definitely an option. And we are transitioning away from the heavy PayPal use where we can. It is integrated with a lot of stuff. But we have an option now. So if you're not a PayPal fan, you you don't want to go near it, signing up in the high TV will keep you off of it. Boom. What else we got? We're on the hour. And I I don't know. So fast. It freaking cruises by. I don't know. I mean, I I just can't say enough about the new site and how much it's going to continue to grow and offer people awesome things. So get the Sniper's Hide app. Go to the TV. Make sure that your account is, you know, set up for the TV thing. and Look at the Gravity Ballistics app, listen to the podcast, and then look at our class schedule if you want to do something like that. And uh, Totally, totally. All righty. I'm going to close this out. Uh, I don't have the button set up yet because this is brand new. I just plugged this board in now, but we are out of here. <laughs> oh, that was a bleep. And there's another button. Oh, there's an effect. I don't even know what that is. Thanks for being part of the Everyday Sniper and don't forget the Straight Dope podcast. Both of them can be found in your usual places. Happy to be there. We're out.